to your Catholic drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God in all things. Good morning to you. I hope your day is going to go really well today. We have a great show lined up for you today. We're super excited. And I say that every time, but I really mean it this time. No, no, seriously, I do. We're going to have a great show today. In this hour, we're going to have a conversation uh, with a, a New York attorney. Maybe you were aware, maybe you weren't aware, but in New York, they exclude all unborn children, including viable unborn children or fetuses capable of surviving outside the womb with or without medical intervention from legal definition of persons. They can't become victims in homicide no matter what. Even if the mom wants to carry the baby to term, it does not matter in the state of New York. They are not people. And that is an issue. So we're going to be speaking with an attorney from St. Thomas More Society. Uh, Kristen Civiletto is going to be on with us in this hour to have that conversation, to update us as to the thinking of New York and why they're bringing a suit against the uh, the state in order to, to try to fight against this, because humans are humans no matter how small they are. I think that was uh, Horton, you know, here's a hue or something. The, the great philosopher, uh, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss even figured that out. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca, <laughs> uh, producing the show today. Emily Alcarez is with us. Good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. And that counts. And that counts. (laughs) So lots to talk about on the show today. Of course, we're going to have breaking news and stories here in a moment. And uh, any good news in the news today or is it all still negative? Um, mostly bad news today, but there is some <laughs> good news. Mostly bad news. <laughs> you're, you're bright and sunny you are today. We've got okay. a couple good things. I always try to things. sneak them in there. Uh, of course, uh, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, we'll have a What's Concerning Us section. And boy, that's always fun, isn't it? The What's Concerning Us section. Lots to chat about in that section as well. And then, of course, our conversation with Kristen Civiletto. All in this hour. In the next hour, we'll have the game show Plus, uh, we'll have the the after show as well. So if you're able to hang out with us then, we would love to see you then. But before we jump into all of that, why don't we begin with prayer? Whatever your intentions are, I'm going to include those with mine and the team here today. I'm praying for our team, our equipment, our opportunity to broadcast. We are very grateful to the Lord for the gift to communicate to you, our dear listeners. So we're praying for your intentions today, asking Our Lady to bring them and to uh, whisper them into the ear of her Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. President Donald Trump is honoring Catholic saints in the new National Garden of American Heroes. The president announced in an executive order on January 18th that a garden will be built in response to the spate of vandalism on statues during the summer of 2020. 
Some of the Catholics who will be honored in the garden are St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, St. Catherine Drexel, St. John Neumann, St. Junipero Serra, Fulton Sheen, Augustus, Augustus Tolton, Dorothy Day, and Thomas Merton. President-elect Joe Biden's promise to embrace transgender ideology will likely include supporting males who identify as female to compete in sports against biological women. Attorneys representing transgender athletes and women athletes expect Biden's Department of Education to reverse course in two lawsuits in Idaho and Connecticut that the Trump administration had backed to protect women's rights. Both the ACLU and the Christian nonprofit Alliance Defending Freedom have said that they expect the Biden administration to announce that Title IX, the civil rights law that guarantees equal opportunities for girls in education, also protects transgender men who think they are women from discrimination. Biden is also expected to support access to bathrooms and locker rooms based on gender identity instead of biological sex. Another Catholic priest has been murdered in Nigeria. Father John Gabakan and his younger brother were kidnapped on January 15th while they were traveling to visit their mother. Father John, the pastor of St. Teresa's in the Catholic Diocese of Minna, was discovered tied to a tree near the road where he'd been kidnapped, so disfigured by machetes that recogni recognition was difficult. Reports show that Islamic violence has made Nigeria one of the ten most dangerous places for, for a Christian to live. The vice chairman of the Christian Association of Nigeria has said that the people of Nigeria are living in fear, and the threat of violence against clergy is discouraging vocations. Archbishop Luigi Ventura's lawyer confirmed that he will not appeal his suspended eight-month prison sentence for sexual assault. A Paris criminal court found the former nuncio to France guilty on December 16th of sexually assaulting five men while conducting his public diplomatic duties. He was ordered to pay 13,000 euros to four of the men and 9,000 euros in legal costs. Ventura's lawyer, Solange Dumique, confirmed French media reports that the Italian archbishop had decided not to appeal. The Vatican revoked Ventura's diplomatic immunity in July 2019, paving the way for a trial in French courts. He resigned as nuncio to France in December 2019 at the age of 75, having served in the post for 10 years. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading uh, the headline news this morning. Blessed Andres de Peshira Grego, pray for us. Born in 1400, raised in a pious family in Italy, uh, Andres grew up on the shore of Lake Garda. He felt an, er, a desire to become a hermit very early on in his life, like many other saints in our church. He tried to live that life uh, in as a, as a monastic hermit in his father's house, actually. I'm thinking of uh, uh, several uh, saints, actually, who did something very similar to this, built their own hermitages on their parents' property. Well, that's what Blessed Andres tried to do. But his father died, and at 15 years old, Andre decided to join the Dominicans, and he did so at the priory at the Brescia. And uh, he was ordained a priest eventually and became a traveling preacher in the uh, Valtellina area of Italy, where the, uh, in Switzerland, of course, where the Albigensian heresy had taken root, a great heresy that uh, was trying to steal souls away from the faith. 
He worked in that area for 45 years, traveling in the mountains on foot, staying with the poor, staying wherever he could, hiding from bandits and heretics, living off whatever came to hand, you know, just uh, not living the high life, let's just say, but living a life of virtue and of heroic courage to save souls, to bring souls back in into the church. He helped to build parishes, churches, hospitals, schools, orphanages, and even monasteries. And uh, and he built one convent at Morbegno where he spent the rest of his life praying as a hermit. You know, he wanted to retire peacefully, and he did so. He died January 18th, 1485. He was beatified on the 26th of December in 1820 by Pope Pius Twelfth. Blessed Andres de Peshira Grego, pray for us. And the gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need He and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of God when Abithar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions? Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. I love that. Have you never read? What an insult that was for the uh, Pharisees. Of course they have read. They're the most read. They're the most perfect keepers of the law, don't you know? Of course Jesus knows that, but that's why he said that. Just a little little jab there. It's funny. Have you never read? I just love that. Why are they picking grains? Because they're hungry. Because uh, we have to eat, you know, we have to eat to su- to survive, and uh, and these Pharisees have have added to the law, and all of these these uh, prescriptions, and you have to keep them perfectly. And Jesus kept running into trouble with them throughout the Gospels. We remember him curing the man with the withered hand in the in this, you know, and they're like, you can't cure on the Sabbath, and he'd like he like he double dog dare them to do something about it. Essentially, my paraphrases. Totally mine. But in Exodus chapter 34, it is forbidden to uh, to harvest on the Sabbath. Okay. Well, is picking grain the same as harvesting? Eh, I don't think so. But the Pharisees sure did. And that's why Jesus reminds him of what King David did when he was on the run from Solomon. He, he and his warrior companions went to the, t- the tabernacle and there they required that the, uh, the bread, uh, be offered, that was offered to the, to the presence of God, the presence, uh, there the, in the ante room before the Holy of Holies, uh, the special bread. This was a prototype, a foreshadowing, a, a typology of something greater to come, i.e. the Holy Eucharist. Uh, and David required that bread of Abithar, uh, and it was given him, and he and his companions ate. And it was uh, a, a wonderful thing. And Jesus is showing him, if David can do this, how much greater can the actual Messiah, the one who is with you now, the one who is standing before you, God himself, 
And I think it reminds us of a greater uh, and more powerful truth in all of this. God is not bound by his own law. God is the author of the law and can do as he wishes and sees fit. He is not bound by the law. He can do as he wishes. Now, you know, will he do beyond himself? No. But at the same time, he is not bound by his law. So, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Emily, Adrian. Yeah, my favorite line from this reading is, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, a lot of times, you will hear Catholics complaining that they have to go to Mass and keep holy the Sabbath day. But no, the Sabbath is a gift from God, and He designed this day of rest um, where we can sit back and celebrate all the gifts and blessings that God has given us. And that's why the, the Sabbath day is not just a day of rest, it's a day of celebration. And to worship, the sacrifice of the Mass is the highest celebration that we can attend as human beings. It's the greatest gift that God has given us, is the gift of the Eucharist and the, and the holy sacrifice of the Mass, which we, wherein, wherein we revisit the Passion. So, the Sabbath is a great gift to us, and... Um, so if you ever hear anyone saying, I don't want to go to Mass on Sunday, why does God force me to go to Mass on Sunday? No, that's a gift to you. And what do you mean you're not getting anything out of it? You're getting the God, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Word made flesh. So There's also the, Sabbath, you know, we owe it to Him, right? Absolutely. There's a justice to it as well. That's right. We give to people what is owed to them and what is God owed? Our adoration, our worship. So, so Thomas points out something that um, I have never really heard anybody take out of this. He talks about how uh, the Pharisees do not attack our Lord and the disciples about stealing. Uh, because they're walking around and they see some corn on a field and they just pluck the corn and start eating it. And he's like, he's like, isn't that weird that the Pharisees don't mention yeah. the, uh, them stealing the corn? Why is that? And he says, well, it's because whenever you were hungry, if it's actual hunger, which apparently this was a case, like they must have been yeah. fasting or they did right. not have access to food for a period of time. Yeah. He said, if you have, if you're in, in need of hunger, you can take what you need. Now he can't just like ransack the field and start selling the corn, but you can take what is necessary for them to live and so this is the foundation for the point that's saying yeah like if you're just like trying to get a snack on the sabbath Mm -hmm. uh just because you like you want some chocolate that's one thing but if you're actually hungry then yes of course you are able to go and feed yourself uh, rather than die uh so i think that's very important point that our lord uh that saint thomas points out that our lord and the disciples and the pharisees all recognized that it was okay for them to take uh that food that was necessary for their for their lives yeah, I know they even left the, the, the corners or the edges of the fields just for the poor, just so that they would have a provision for themselves, mm-hmm, too. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that's part of the beauty of the, the Old Testament law is it did have provisions and it did have uh, uh, a future in mind to be, to be brought to a greater fulfillment, which we saw in the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church, which Christ founded, the new Israel, the body of Christ. At any rate, that's going to do it for the uh, Stand of the Day Gospel Day for this hour. Coming up after the break, we're going to have the uh, What's Concerning Us section. We invite you to that. There's several stories in the news that I would like to chime in on. But of course, we're going to have our guest segment with Kristen Civiletto from St. Thomas More Society. All that's coming up in this hour. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did Jesus ever claim to be God? Or did his followers later come to think he was divine, like it was for the Buddha? Critics of Christianity affirm the latter. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, the idea of Jesus' divinity had to have come from Jesus himself, 
because it doesn't make sense that faithful monotheistic Jews would just out of the blue begin thinking a man was God. Second, the Gospels record Jesus saying things that suggests his divinity. For example, he applies the divine name, I am, to himself in John chapter 8, verse 58. Mark 2, 5 through 7 tells us Jesus merited the charge of blasphemy by claiming to have power to forgive sins. So, Jesus claimed to be God. That's a fact. But should we believe him? Well, that's a question for some other time. I'm Corlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardo Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. God is so very good. i got to be honest with you, though. Um, my brain is still half asleep today. I just, it, I don't know. I didn't, maybe I guess I didn't get enough sleep last night. But uh, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to get up every morning and spend this time with you, our dear audience, and to share with you the good, the true, and sometimes even the ugly. But it's the beautiful, right, uh, that we try to communicate in all things even though there are difficult stories ahead. And there are some difficult stories here that uh, that are concerning me today. Uh, one that I caught wind of just by sheer chance yesterday, last night. And uh, on my way in this morning, I sort of looked into it a little more. The FCC, Federal Communications Commission, warns ham radio operators. So they issued a warning to all ham radio operators. And I caught this because there was a guy in California who is a ham radio operator. And I wonder, I'm just curious, I wish I could take a straw poll. How many in our audience today actually know what ham operator or ham radio operators are? See, I told you my brain is asleep. I only eat ham. I don't I know. I don't know how to operate ham, so I don't know. It's like a miniature version of radio stations. These are private individuals. They have to apply for a license through the FCC. They have little towers in their backyards. They have a room with a radio room where they, they can communicate, and some of them do shows on there. Like uh, they actually do shows on their, uh, their radio gear, and whoever can hear the signal can tune into it, and they have their own frequencies and the whole deal. Well, they also communicate to each other uh, this way. And so the FCC is apparently very concerned that uh, the people that they feel coordinated the, quote, insurrection, unquote, uh, are now using ham radio operators to communicate with one another since they can no longer do so on social media. So they've issued a warning to all ham radio operators to say you're not allowed to do that. Here's what they say, quote, and this is uh, radioinc.com is the website. Uh, quote, the Bureau has become aware of discussions on social media platforms suggesting that certain radio services regulated by the commission may be an alternative to social media platforms for groups to communicate and coordinate future activities. The Bureau recognizes that these services can be used for a wide range of permitted purposes, including speech that is protected under the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, 
Amateur and personal radio services, however, may not be used to commit or facilitate crimes. Specifically, the Bureau reminds amateur licenses that they are prohibited from transmitting communications intended to facilitate a criminal act or messages encoded for the purpose of obscuring their meaning, unquote. Now, I think it goes without saying, we should not use our means to facilitate crimes. Yes, I don't know who anybody who would disagree with that. Of course, we do not want to perpetuate crimes or violence for that matter. However, comma, it's this other thing that says uh, messages encoded for the purposes of obscuring their meaning. So they're passing messages. And I guess you're not allowed to pass messages if it feels somewhat cryptic. Is that a crime? To pass a message that seems somewhat cryptic? I guess it would be if it led to to further crimes, maybe? I don't know. But here's my concern. It's like if we're seeing censorship, and we've been talking a lot about censorship on the social platforms the last couple of weeks because it's blatant, obvious, and out of control. Um, we're now seeing – are we seeing that start to bleed into even the ham radio operator world? Uh, wow. That seems um, – that seems troubling to me. I, I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm overthinking this, and maybe this is just just an innocent reminder. But I got to tell you, the guy who I got this from, who is not, you know, didn't seem like a big, you know, Trump fan or insurrectionist kind of a guy. He was just like, I like to talk on my radio at home. It's my hobby, and I have no idea why the FCC is telling me and warning me not to not to use my my uh, frequency to, to uh, perpetuate a crime. He says that was weird. So I found that very troubling and very strange. And I wondered, uh, you know, like what kind of, uh, what kind of times are we living in when the, the FCC is warning their ham operators? I guess that goes hand in hand with the fact that the DOD FBI have begun vetting National Guard members in D.C. because uh, they say, while we have no intelligence, this is according to an article out of the Epic Times, while we have no intelligence indicating an insider threat, we are leaving no stone unturned in securing the Capitol. The Department of Defense Secretary said in a statement on Monday, he noted that it's a normal process for the DOD to vet National Guardsmen who are in Washington, D.C. Well, okay, um, maybe. It says this type of vetting often takes place by law enforcement for significant security events. However, in this case, the scope of military participation is unique. The D.C. National Guard is also providing additional training to service members as they arrive in D.C. If they see or hear something that is not appropriate, they should report it to the chain of command. Well, I guess that goes hand in hand with the fact that uh, there is a, a Democratic congressman, National Guardsman, who, sa- who says National Guardsmen who voted for Trump should be suspects of of an insider attack. So it's like, this is the guy from Tennessee, Democratic Rep. Steve Cohen, who uh, chairs the House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties. He's making a wild suggestion that up to 75% of National Guards uh, Guardsmen are in a class of people who may want to do something. That's troubling. That's troubling. Yeah, it's it's pretty concerning uh, seeing all these things and the idea of freedom of speech. Now, the, the idea of freedom of speech is a whole topic on itself. But in America, we have very strict uh, guidelines of what uh, we're freedom we're, we're free to say. And unless, according to, because uh, I took a class in communications on calm law, and one of the things that we had drilled into our heads was that you have the freedom of speech as the average citizen to say anything that does not cause imminent lawless action that is likely to produce. 
produce. And that's the thing that we were taught. And why is that? Because in, uh, you, unless you actually call for a specific form of violence and it's actually likely to say things so for instance if someone just said something bad about someone that's not that's not uh you can't uh, arrest someone from that and even if they called for something bad to happen unless you have a platform where people actually listen to you it's still considered protected under american laws whether or not it's right to do so it's a totally different question that's a question of morality but the legality of it is all these things like uh we're talking about ham radios of all these people doing all these things we have great freedoms in America to go to pretty far, whether or not it's moral. It's a entirely different question. And I think it's just sad to see that we're absolutely demolishing our freedom of speech laws. Well, this rep in Tennessee is basically saying since the uh, Guard, National Guard or military tends to be more conservative and probably voted for uh, Trump and not Biden, he is very concerned over uh, that these uh, these guardsmen will be tempted to do something illegal and crazy uh, on Inauguration Day. And I, I think as a man who served in the Marine Corps, I think people who served our country, who raised their right hand and swore an oath to defend the Constitution, even till death, I think should be offended by this and should speak out. I mean, it's just it's 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 offensive at the very least that you would you would call these troops to defend your our capital to defend you dear uh congressman and yet you uh you seem to say that all of the white dc guardsmen are, are likely to do something nefarious that's that's pretty offensive and uh i hope i hope he gets called out for that by uh by the by the chain of command in in particular um i have another story but emily what do you got Oh, real quick on that. Um, so what concerns me about that is this trend we see of associating all people who voted for Trump, who might not even consider themselves conservative, associating all those people with, you know, the rioters in the Capitol. Yeah. And, and we saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yesterday calling for the resignation of everyone who called for election integrity. <laughs> that's just that's shutting down voices who are raising, you know, oh. concerns. That reminds me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, yesterday I saw a tweet from, uh, uh, from our favorite congresswoman who, with, with the gavel, you know, who uh, leads the charge these days, Nancy Pelosi. Back in 2016, she actually put out a, t- a tweet that got recovered. She tried to delete it, I guess. It got recovered claiming the 2016 election had been stolen. And she demanded that Congress stand up to uh, to uh, to fight against this stolen election in 2016. Okay, another tangent here. But Nancy (laughs) Pelosi also she condemned when when troops were brought in for the Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. When when troops were brought in for that, she condemned that action. But now she's praising the the bringing of troops into. Anyway, so what concerns me about big tech, though is that they're making judgments about what could potentially possibly lead to violence. Mm-hmm. So this is why Facebook is now shutting down all events that are you know happening around the nation's capital. And Twitter suspended uh, Representative Marjorie uh, Greene's account simply because she was calling for election integrity as well, because that could potentially lead to violence. So they're making yeah. judgments now about things that are not even outright violence. I guess that's what gets me about, like, even the FCC warning. Yes, we shouldn't be perpetuating crimes. Absolutely not. I, or violence. I totally agree. But I guess what we're seeing on social media is they're using that as a justification to to censor, censor, uh, censor people, or not just Donald Trump, but many, many, many others, uh, but that aren't actually perpetuating crimes or violence. 
You see, it's like they're using that as a get-out-of-jail-free card to do carte blanche as they see fit. So it comes down to, well, who gets to be the judge of that? And I guess I'm not trusting you, dear big tech, to be the judge um, because I don't. I feel like you have a double standard and you use it to your political advantage and that of your of your friends uh, versus uh, just using it like blind justice. And I, I have real issues with that. Um, real quick, before we run out of time here, there's another story I want to transition to out of the Gatestone Institute. Again, we always post links to these What's Concerning Us stories. Uh, I'm posting them over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. So you can find the links and read these stories for yourself in greater detail there. But this is the Gatestone Institute has an article out. says, a global calamity, 340 million Christians persecuted. Here's a quote. Every day around the world, 13 Christians are killed for their faith. 12 are illegally arrested or imprisoned. Five are abducted and 12 churches or other Christian buildings are attacked. That's every day, according to the World Watch List 2021. Uh, it says the extreme persecution that Christians experience in 10 of the absolute 12 worst nations comes from Islamic oppression or is occurring in Muslim-majority nations. These include Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, Iraq, and Syria. 80% of Indian Christians helped by open doors say they were passed over for food distribution during the COVID-19 pandemic. They couldn't even get food because they weren't of the right religion, apparently. Considering that for the first time in over a decade, China has made it among the top 20 persecutors in the Open Doors World Watch List, up to 17 uh, uh, from 20, up to 17 from 23 on the list. That's not a good thing. Uh, this does not bode well for Christians who are already intensely monitored by the state. Similarly, in Turkey, which rose to 25 from number 36 on the list, last year, every citizen's religious affiliations recorded on the electronic chip of identity cards, making it easy to dis dis discriminate against Christians. Uh, so this whole article here is a good read for the situation of Christians around the world. It's a serious, serious situation. Again, we'll link to everything uh, over at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Rumble. I encourage you to go to Rumble, subscribe there, share there, help us to spread the word. And uh, also on Instagram as well as Twitter. God bless you. We're going to go to a break. We're going to come back with more breaking news and stories. Plus, this story out of New York. Unborn babies are not humans? Really? We'll have that conversation after the break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, All religions believe basically the same thing. They only differ in their external forms, in the way they express it. G.K. Chesterton says the truth is precisely the other way around. The religions of the world do not differ greatly in rites and forms. They do differ greatly in what they teach. In most every religion, people pray, they sing, they read sacred texts, they honor their traditions, they have special feasts, they light candles and so on. But they don't teach the same things. They don't believe the same things. There's only one religion that believes that Christ is the Son of God, that he suffered and died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. Only one religion believes in one holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Coming up here in about uh, four minutes or so, we're going to be speaking with Kristen Cibaletto from the Thomas More Society about the situation in New York over unborn babies not being human beings. I don't know what universe you live in, but life begins at conception. And we'll have that conversation here in just a few moments, but we'll have more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcaraz. I always want to remind you, a great place to stay connected with us here at the Catholic Drive Time team is on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can get the podcast, the audio podcast version. But I also want to say, you know, it's important, and I've said this a bunch of times, I'm going to continue to hammer this. Uh, dear listener, please download the app of uh, of the station you're listening to, Stations of the Cross and Guadalupe Radio Network. Whatever your whatever station you're plugged into, download their app, connect to them via their, via their app. Make sure you're on their email list. Make sure you're connected because as censorship gets worse, it's important that we have means of communication. So uh, whatever you can do to stay connected is super important in the days, months, and years to come. All right, with that, let's jump into headlines with Emily Alcorn. In one of his last acts as president, Donald Trump is again making the anniversary of Roe v. Wade the sanctity of life day. In the, pro- in the proclamation published yesterday, Trump called on the U.S. Congress to join him in protecting and defending the dignity of every human life, including those not yet born. And he promised himself to continue speaking out for those who have no voice. The president referenced some of the many anti-abortion victories he had won over his term as president and called on Congress to ban late-term abortions. The Norwegian Medicines Agency reported on Friday that as of January 14th, 23 people have died within days of receiving the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. 13 of the deaths were nursing home residents and all had other pre-existing conditions. Norwegian officials have now changed the country's virus vaccination guide and said very frail people should not receive the shot. In a statement, the agency also said, quote, We cannot rule out that adverse reactions to the vaccine occurring within the first days following vaccination may contribute to more serious course and fatal outcome in patients with severe underlying disease. End quote. A second lockdown in Japan is causing a huge increase in suicides. Published by researchers at Tokyo's Metropolitan Institute of Gerontology and Hong Kong University, the study found an increase in suicide rates of 37% among females and children and 49% among adolescents. Japan's administrative and regulatory reform minister, Kono Taro, said in an interview, quote, A lot of people have committed suicide because they've lost their jobs. We need to strike the balance between managing COVID-19 and managing the economy. The lockdown restrictions in the national capital are slated to last until at least February 7th and will shut down or restrict service across Greater Tokyo's 150,000 restaurants and bars. Vatican announced on Monday that it was dropping its request for the extradition of Cecilia Moronia from Italy. 
Maranya, a 39-year-old Sardinian, has been accused of misappropriating Vatican funds from payments of more than 500,000 euros she received from the Vatican Secretariat of State through her Slovenia-registered company in 2018 and 2019. Maranya has said that she worked for the Secretariat of State as secretary, sec, security consultant and strategist. She acknowledged receiving hundreds of thousands of euros from the Vatican, but insisted that the money was for her Vatican consultancy work and salary. The Vatican announced in a statement that Maranya's trial for embezzlement would begin soon. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the, the news for us today. Uh, on January the 12th, uh, 2021, so just a few days ago, victims of domestic violence and others filed a class action lawsuit against Governor Andrew Cuomo, challenging the constitutionality of a New York's Reproductive Health Act. According to this article from St. Thomas More Society. So here from the St. Thomas More Society to talk about this and to give us all the information is Kristen Civiletto. Good morning to you. Thank you for being on our program. Good morning, Joe, and thank you so much for having me tonight, or this morning. Yeah, <laughs> praise be to Jesus. Uh, um, so, all right, so New York's Reproductive Health Act, maybe we can start with that. What is that and what is it I- intended to do anyway? Absolutely. Well, first of all, we filed this challenge to the Reproductive Health Act, as you noted, on behalf of victims of domestic violence and others. Um, This law, which was enacted in 2019, basically changed New York law in multiple ways. But in all of these ways, we believe it is harming women and children. Um, Some of the changes really brought about uh, things that for 200 years were not the case. Wow. So for example, For example, uh, one of the things that the law did, and this is of great concern to us and, of course, to our clients, is that it eliminated the criminal penalty for the killing of an unborn child. So even a wanted child. That's crazy. It is. Now, and and if you think about this, um, it's not only dehumanizing to the child, this is also disrespectful to women. It's essentially telling women that the baby they're carrying is not a human being worthy of justice if something happens to that baby. And, you know, we had a number of situations that I'm not sure they were necessarily well thought out when this law was passed. But for example, if a woman is walking down the street and she's pregnant and she's attacked by a criminal assailant, uh, if the woman and the baby die, there is one murder charge. Wow. And it's it's almost incomprehensible. So is it, okay. I I want to understand the thinking behind this. Is it is it just to protect abortion rights in, in their state? I mean, what what is the motivation to to denying basic rights to a child in the womb for a mother that wants that child? Yeah, I mean, if we take more of a cynical approach, I guess you could look at it as. New York State is eliminating all references to unborn children in the law. And again, that is a a change that represents something that for 200 years was otherwise. Um, The definition of who can be a victim for purposes of homicide is essentially what changed. So now it has to be a person who is born and is alive. And so to eliminate that reference, um, I guess, in, in their zeal to you know, promote these reproductive health rights, it it makes no sense. And in fact, one of the policies of the Reproductive Health Act is to, you know, allow a woman, if she chooses, to bring a baby 
uh, to birth mm. or to not carry the child. So this law doesn't even affect that purpose. It makes it doesn't make sense again. So how will I mean? I could see a case here where abuse will increase under this because there's no. I mean, yeah, they could they could hurt the mom and they'll be held accountable for that. But there's no additional penalties or there's no additional consequences. Uh, what are the chances that abuse will rise? I guess is my question. Absolutely. In fact, uh, maybe from a couple angles. Number one, as you pointed out, there's no penalty now. There's no deterrent for going after a woman who is pregnant. We know that partners will attack a woman who is pregnant because, um, you know, there's people who don't want that baby to be born. So pregnant women are already at an increased and more vulnerable state just because of the fact that they're pregnant. So now we've got no disincentive no penalty. And to me, that is an incentive to escalate violence against women. We represent women who have been in those shoes where a partner did not want them to uh, have a child who made threats against them, family members made threats against them. But this law actually opens up the potential for abuse in other ways. Um, You know, the New York law allows and any reason or no reason abortion up until 24 weeks gestation. Wow. Right. So that's a, a pretty significant point. In fact, that includes viable children, ones who can survive outside the womb. So up until 24 weeks, you don't need any reason to have an abortion. After 24 weeks, up until birth, the law allows a woman to have an abortion when a health care provider undefined, not even a doctor, determines that it is necessary for her life or health. The problem is in New York, health is going to be defined in the broadest possible sense. Mm. So, and we know that because the sponsor of the bill has stated that. But going back to your point about the abuse, we now have a wide open window of nine months within which a woman could be coerced or badgered or subject to abuse wow. in order to have an abortion. I mean, we we all read these headlines where a boyfriend or a, a husband, some partner, you know, hurts them, hurts the woman just to abort the baby because mom wants it and and he doesn't. We've all seen that. But in, you're saying under these circumstances, he wouldn't. If the mom didn't die, he would not. Uh, he'd probably get him. He'd get off much lighter because he only hurt a fetus, uh, not a human being. That's exactly right. And we've heard arguments from, you know, various people associated with the sponsorship of the bill who said, well, we could tack on additional years, a greater penalty for any attack on the woman. I just can't get away from the fact that that is incredibly disrespectful to a woman to say you're not carrying a human being. Right. Murder is murder. This is a separate wrong. Yeah. And that underlies actually one of the claims that we're making It's a very interesting claim. It's a First Amendment claim to a right to redress. Mm. And so we are essentially saying that you are entitled to a meaningful remedy for a wrong that has been done to you. Okay, hold that thought. We're having a conversation about uh, the situation in New York where unborn babies are not considered human beings. They're not considered persons. According to New York law, we're having this conversation with Kristen Civiletto from the St. Thomas More Society. We'll have more of that conversation on the other side of this break. Catholic Drive Time, we'll be right back. More is on the way.
This is a Messy Family Minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. When we see how crazy this world is, we can be tempted to isolate our family on a desert island and leave it all behind. Well, that's not really practical. But one thing you can do is take your family away on your very own family retreat. The goal of this retreat is for growth in your family identity and relationships and to give you time to intentionally pray together as a family unit. The four parts of the family retreat are family bonding activities, prayer, teaching, and fun. We've learned that if you're going to pray with your children, you also need to play with them. When parents develop these four aspects of their weekend away with their kids, the results are amazing. Devoting time to your family has a lasting impact on your kids, especially if you make it a tradition every year. To enable more families to do a family retreat, we have put together a short guide to help lead moms and dads through their own retreat planning process. To access this free download, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order, and not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it, so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, MajaCenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's M-A-G-I-S-Center.com. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you today. We're having a conversation with uh, Kristen Civiletto from uh, Thomas More Society about this lawsuit that they filed in New York against Governor Cuomo and the Reproductive Health Act, which is, uh, we were just off air and just saying how sickening we were about all of this, how incredibly shocking it is to not consider an unborn baby a human being and a person. I know, Emily, you had a bunch of questions. Why don't you jump in? Yeah, I do have a bunch of questions. Um, so what I just don't really understand the the pro-abortion movement because they they have been really struggling to pinpoint you know, the point of personhood for a, a human being, like they don't know when personhood begins. And so I'm wondering if there were a scenario where, um, you know, a pregnant woman were to be abused and she would miss, you know, be forced to miscarry through um, violence or whatever, what would they charge? Like, are they considering the fetus as like an appendage of the woman? I don't understand. So they're, they're considering it not a human being. So what is she, would they only be charged with harming the woman if the baby is miscarried? That's correct. And it could be a simple battery assault. It would be a charge related to the mother's damages only. So, for example, if she died while this crime was being committed, uh, there might be a homicide charge, but there would only be one. And, and this is illustrated by several cases that have come up since the Reproductive Health Act passed. Uh, there was a woman who shortly after this horrendous law was enacted um, was violently attacked by her partner. He actually specifically targeted the baby. Um, she ended up dying. So did the baby. Initially, there were two murder charges, but the district attorney was forced to withdraw one as a result of the Reproductive Health Act. And it's just appalling. That is why initiatives, um, you know, we're working with the Women's Alliance Against Violence. That is an initiative of the Thomas More Society who is focused on fighting these kinds of laws. Because look what they're doing. They're dehumanizing children, but they're also endangering women. And again, you know, some of these consequences may have been, I don't know, unintended. I don't think so. 
but I think it speaks to the heart of what you're getting to, and that is there's a fundamental lack of respect for both the woman and the baby here. So I've seen the trend now in the sorry in the pro-abortion movement where they're saying, yes, the fetus is a human person, but because this separate human person is inside the mother's body, she can decide whether or not he or she lives. So what we're seeing here is they're actually still denying the personhood and they haven't moved on to this point where they're like, it is a person, but it, you know, it's life depends on the mother's choice. Is that correct? Yeah, I think that's very interesting observation. You know, back up just a little. A lot of people are concerned about this slippery slope. Well, if we give in here just a little bit, then Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. The reality is Roe versus Wade initially dealt with a right to a pre-viability abortion. It deals with that time up to viability, not post-viability. There is no such thing as a right to kill a viable unborn child. Now, that's where I think some of the nervousness comes in with the pro-abortion movement, and that is we don't want Roe versus Wade to be overturned. Here, our focus is on the viable unborn child. And again, there's no right to kill a viable unborn child. And it's interesting because there are a number of states that are now following New York's lead and trying to expand this right into that viability time. It's just, it's an inconsistent approach. Um, Under Roe versus Wade, we know that viability is a medical determination. And it's kind of a moving target, right? Mm -hmm. As medical science increases, we know that that age of viability gets earlier and earlier. What New York did is it fixed it at 24 weeks. This is why our New York law, like other states, goes further than Roe versus Wade. Wow, that's that's crazy. Uh, we were talking uh, during the break, and Joe made a great point about. So, what does this mean for research on the on fetuses? Uh, so, if they're not persons, does that mean that they have basically carte blanche uh, freedom to experiment on babies uh, to their heart's content? What is the what is the legality of, of that status now? That's a fantastic question because right now we don't know what those babies are. Are they property? Are they people? The argument that we are also making in this lawsuit is that the 14th Amendment is broad enough to include viable unborn children. We think those rights are existing, but just haven't been recognized yet. That's one of the reasons why this is a historic lawsuit. And, you know, I hope five years from now we come back on the show and we're able to say the Supreme Court has declared that viable unborn children are human beings and the 14th Amendment is broad enough to include them. Did you just say five years? Will it take five years to get to there? Very likely. Wow. Um, Is that because because of the Biden administration? You know, I I think it's the nature of our legal system. Uh, COVID has also put a a significant strain. You know, for example, the, the, my background work actually is in mass toxic tort exposure cases Mm. where I represent babies, unborn babies and people of all ages. Uh, I have one set of cases that is 10 years, and we are still kind of in the middle. Wow. Kind of in the middle. Wow. Because I was going to ask you, what do you think your chances are here? Um, I mean, Governor Cuomo can't be governor forever, can he? I mean, at some point, he has to stop being governor of New York. Isn't isn't that still the the law of the land? So how long, what do you think your, you said five years, but what do you think your chances are of winning this case? 
Um, we think we're making some solid arguments. It's pretty hard to argue against medical science. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one of the main arguments we're making is that medical science already recognizes that these viable unborn children are human beings. You can't deny that from a scientific standpoint. We think also that from a society standpoint, most people would agree that these late-term babies or near-term babies are human beings. Mm -hmm. So that combination of the medical science and some of these societal concerns, I I believe, is an incredibly strong argument. So we feel pretty good on the law end, uh, but it's an uphill battle. There's no question, but we're ready. Let me ask you a, a pessimistic question. What will happen? What will be the ramifications if you lose? Then we appeal and we keep appealing. I know. And that's why five years from now, <laughs> we, I we meant, will be talking. What I meant was, what if you ultimately lose? And God forbid, I want you to win. Trust me, I do. Uh, but mm-hmm. I want to know what the ramifications are. Is, should you not uh, come out victorious in the end, however long that may be? Yeah. I mean, then the law stands. And that means that viable unborn children can be killed for any reason whatsoever in New York State up until 24 weeks. Because remember, that includes pre-viable and viable. And that also means we're dealing with a law that is incredibly ambiguous. Nobody knows what health means. Nobody knows what a healthcare practitioner includes. Mm. The only thing the law says is somebody who is licensed under Title VIII and acting within their scope of presence or, or practice. What does that mean? Does it mean a masseuse can perform an abortion? We have no idea. So there's some aspects of this law that are so fundamentally unclear mm. uh, that I'm very confident a court is going to have to deal with it. We even have a nurses association asking for clarity. Really? Oh, wow. You know, there's a term that gets thrown around uh, uh, trad Catholic circles, that weaponized ambiguity. And I think we're seeing a great example of it here. Um, we keep it vague enough to not truly know, and you can sort of interpret it however you wish. Uh, and, you know, I think a lot of times we speak in, in terms of pro-life issues as Roe v. Wade, but here is a very real practical uh, issue that if it doesn't get resolved, will have real-world consequences on on women in the state of New York, uh, what can what can we do uh, to 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 bring awareness to uh, what can we do? What calls to action would you give us that would help and assist this case? Yeah, a few things. Number one, pray. There is no question that through prayer, God shows us our next step, reveals things to us. So that's mm-hmm. to me a foundational concern. Number two, in that prayerful mindset. Educate yourself about what the laws of your state mean. Mm. There's a lot of misinformation about this particular law. You know, for example, people will deny that it allows an abortion up to birth. birth. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So understanding exactly where your state is going in terms of pending legislation, things coming down the pipe. You know, this should never have happened. We should have been a little more mobilized before this law was passed. So it's very important to be aware politically of what is happening. Wow, we've been talking with Kristen Civiletto of the Thomas More Society about this uh, case. Where we had this article that, uh, from the website, Victims Challenge New York's Reproductive Health Act in Historic Lawsuit is the headline. We'll, of course, uh, post a link to that all over on our live video feed at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. I, uh, I sincerely uh, encourage you, dear listener, to read that and to check that out. 
St. Thomas More Society, how are you guys able to ma- manage all these big cases? How are you able to? we got about two minutes left in our conversation, but how can St. Thomas More keep going and, and file these uh, huge cases, one after the other? Yeah, I mean, I serve as special counsel uh, just for purposes of this case, uh, but that is what the organization does. It is committed to, uh, as a public interest law firm, um, not only providing the best talent, but also bringing together like-minded people and the funding to be able to challenge these types of laws. So between the Women's Alliance Against Violence, which is an initiative of the Thomas More Society, and the society itself, it's an incredible combination. Wow. Well, God bless you. God love you and the work at uh, Thomas More Society. We're very grateful to you uh, for being on our program today, Kristen Civiletto. Uh, God love you and have a great day. Thank you so much. All right, that's going to do it for Hour 1 of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We're so grateful that you were a part of our program, and uh, Kristen was such a great guest. I want to thank uh, Emily Alcarez for being a part of our show and reading the news, keeping you up to date. Adrian Fonseca for producing, and uh, all of you for hanging out with us. Don't forget, you can catch the video clips. Adrian posts them. He, he cuts them, he slices and dices the individual conversations, and he posts them. And Rumble is a great place to go. Go to Rumble, look for Catholic Drive Time, make sure you subscribe, like, and share there. Hopefully we'll overcome some of our algorithm challenges over on YouTube that uh, have been plaguing us lately. We'd be grateful for that. If you can hang out with us in the next hour, we would love to have you. You can hang out with us online at uh, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, on YouTube on Catholic Drive Time, or on uh, Twitter, Catholic Drive Time. We have the game show in the next hour, more breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and the after show. Maybe we'll call it the chaser. Who knows? God love you. Thank you for joining us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. 
Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid-fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I heard that the GRN is raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Miyagi loves support Catholic Radio on GRN. Where can you get tickets? Thing called Internet. <laughs> Go to grnonline.com. One ticket, $25. Five ticket, $100. Drawing in the March 1st. Name drawn March 4th. What are you going to do if you win? Give to you. Practice. Wax on, wax off. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. How is your day? Is the sun up yet where you are? I love a good sunrise, don't you? Just ah, to see God's glory in creation. Boy, I love it. And I, I, I'm just so grateful I get to look out the window every morning here on Catholic Drive Time and be able to experience that sunrise with you. So I'm very grateful for that. But today, on this uh, this particular hour of the program, it's going to be a little uh, fun, a little lighter. i got to be honest. Uh, Emily and Adrian, good morning to both of you. But uh, may, the last conversation was super important. Our guest was amazing, but boy, was that heavy. Yeah, very disappointing news also in the direction our country is going in terms to personhood of the unborn person. Yeah, so we'll we'll be posting that conversation with uh, Kristen Civiletto from the St. Thomas More Society and her lawsuit against Governor Cuomo there. Uh, you can listen. If you didn't listen to it, if you weren't joining us last hour, you'll be able to listen to that on the podcast feed over grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And while you're there, pick up some raffle tickets. You could win a Mercedes. would be super fun, wouldn't it? Uh, but we'll be posting the, uh, the video clip of that over on our Rumble account. Go to Rumble, search for Catholic Drive Time. Subscribe, like, share. That really helps us. Or I guess they call it, they don't call it likes, do they, Adrian? They call it rumbles. Yeah, I am super confused about how it all works, but I'm getting there. It's, it's going to take we're some time. There. All right, so in this hour, we're going to have uh, breaking news and stories. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then, of course, our very fun uh, and uh, fan-favorite Catholic trivia show, Fear and Trembling, with prizes involved. And who is our sponsor this week, Emily? This week, it's called His Glory Company. It's an apparel, Catholic apparel company. So that's fun. Your chance to win a very cool prize this week is fast approaching. Plus, the Holy Mass will be will broadcast at 7.30. And then the Catholic Drive Time team will transition uh, off of radio and we'll stay on our social media stream. You can still uh, hang out with us and chat with us and be a part of our program either on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter. Search for GRN Online. 
and you'll be able to find us in all three locations. And we would love to have you for what we're calling, I don't know, we haven't decided yet. I'm thinking the after show. Patty, one of our super fans, says she thinks it should be called The Chaser. Uh, I don't know. We came up with a c- several ideas. We have yet to decide. But all of that in this hour, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. I ask all of our, uh, our I include all of the intentions of our listeners, uh, whatever you're dealing with today, whatever's on your heart, on your mind, whatever's challenging you, whatever you need, I pray that the Lord will provide that for you. I ask uh, a special intention over my family, over this radio broadcast, over our equipment, our team here, our radio apostolate across the Guadalupe Radio Network for the repose of Armando and and our leadership here. I also uh, include uh, peace in our country. Peace and uh, and unity in our country as well. So we'll, let's ask Our Lady to take these these intentions and whisper them into the ear of her Son, that He may draw us ever so more closely into His most sacred heart. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to Thy protection, implored Thy help, or sought Thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto Thee, O Virgin of virgins, my Mother. To Thee do I come. Before Thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. President Donald Trump is honoring Catholic saints in the new National Garden of American Heroes. The president announced in an executive order on January 18th that a garden will be built in response to the spate of vandalism on statues during the summer of 2020. Some of the Catholics who will be honored in the garden are St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, St. Catherine Drexel, St. John Neumann, St. Junipero Serra, Fulton Sheen, Augustus Tolton, Dorothy Day, and Father Thomas Merton. President-elect Joe Biden's promise to embrace transgender ideology will likely include supporting males who identify as female to compete in sports against biological women. Attorneys representing transgender athletes and women athletes expect Biden's Department of Education to reverse course in two lawsuits in Idaho and Connecticut that the Trump administration had backed to protect women's rights. Both the ACLU and the Christian nonprofit Alliance Defending Freedom have said that they expect the Biden administration to announce that Title IX, the civil rights law that guarantees equal opportunities for girls in education, also protects transgender men who think they're women from discrimination. Biden is also expected to support access to bathrooms and locker rooms based on gender identity instead of biological sex. Another Catholic priest has been murdered in Nigeria. Father John Gabakan and his younger brother were kidnapped on January 15th while they were traveling to visit their mother. Father John, the pastor of St. Teresa's in the Catholic Diocese of Minna, was discovered tied to a tree near the road where he'd been kidnapped, so disfigured by machetes that recognition was difficult. Reports show that Islamic violence has made Nigeria one of the ten most dangerous places for a Christian to live. The vice chairman of the Christian Association of Nigeria has said that the people of Nigeria are living in fear and the threat of violence against clergy is discouraging vocations. Archbishop Luigi Ventura's lawyer confirmed that he will not appeal his suspended eight-month prison sentence for sexual assault. A Paris criminal court found the former nuncio to France guilty on December 16th of sexually assaulting five men while conducting his public diplomatic duties. 
He was ordered to pay 13,000 euros to four of the men and 9,000 euros in legal costs. Ventura's lawyer, Solange Dumic, confirmed the French media reports that the Italian archbishop had decided not to appeal. The Vatican revoked Ventura's diplomatic immunity in July of 2019, paving the way for a trial in French courts. He resigned as nuncio to France in December 2019 at the age of 75, having served in that post for 10 years. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Andres de Pashira Grego, pray for us. Born in 1400, raised in a pious family, Andres grew up on the shore of Lake Garda in Italy. At a very early age, he felt called to become a hermit, and like many saints, he tried to live the monastic lifestyle on his father's property, in his father's home. I can remember other saints doing the same thing, actually. Uh, when, he, when his father died at 15 years old, Andreas joined the, Domen- the Dominicans at the Priory of Bresica. He studied at the San Marco Monastery in Florence, and he was eventually ordained a priest. He was a traveling preacher in the Valtellina area of Italy, where the, uh, the heresy, uh, Albigensian heresy, had taken root there, and many were leaving the church. He worked for 45 years, traveling the mountains on foot, staying with the poor, staying where he could, hiding from bandits and heresies and heretics, living off of whatever came to hand. Among uh, the parishes, he helped to build churches and hospitals and schools and orphanages and monasteries. In fact, he even built the convent, the Morbegno convent, where he would retire and live out the rest of his days as a prayerful monk. He died on January 18, 1485, having lived a life trying to bring heretics back home into the faith. He was beatified September the 26th, 1820 by Pope Pius VII. Blessed Andres de Preshira Grego, pray for us. The Gospel comes to you from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain on the Sabbath, his disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions were hungry? How he went to the house of God with Abithar was high priest and ate the bread of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions? Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch the dig of Jesus on the Pharisees? Have you never read? I mean, like I, I can just hear St. Paul in my in my head right now. You know, a Pharisee of Pharisees, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. Like he would give his resume, his curriculum vitae all the time. And, uh, you know, to prove his lineage, like, out of all of the, all of the, of the Jews, I am the most Jew and look what God did to me. He converted me. I can hear that in my head right now as Jesus is saying to these Pharisees, have you not read? Dig. Because of course they've read. 
They've memorized. They, they've studied. They're supposed to be the experts. They're supposed to be better than all the rest and have it all to perfection, keeping the law, making them righteous, right? And you can sort of see that in this, uh, in this tone of Jesus. Have you never read that Jesus went with uh, his companions? Now, now, or rather, David did. David was on the warpath. David was running from Solomon with his warriors, and he went to the tabernacle, and he went to the high priest there, and he took the showbread, the showbread. Now, you if you've never read this, okay, this is a pro-level tip. I'm not going to charge you for this. This is free. I'm, this is my charity to you today. If you've never read Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist by Dr. Brian Petrie, well, let me just say, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. God bless you. This is an amazing gift to to society. You should pick it up. If I were Pope, I'd make it required reading is uh, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, especially the section on the showbread. It is fantastic. At any rate, I uh, can't go down that rabbit hole today. Okay, so David goes and he actually shows and demonstrates that there is the law, but law must give way to the necessity of, of man. And this is the point that Jesus is making. You know, and then here's the thing. The, the Pharisees are relying upon Exodus 34 that forbids harvesting on the Sabbath. The question is, is plucking grain because you're hungry the same as harvesting. There's a difference between going to the back, you know, the field on the back 40 to harvest it on a Sunday afternoon and having some food, <laughs> right, that you have to eat to sustain yourself. And it's like, it's obvious, right? So I like Jesus here. It's like saying, Captain Obvious, hello, have you never read? Of course. If David could do this, how much more than the Messiah who's standing with you? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God, take it upon flesh and dwelt among you right now. I am the Lord of the Sabbath, and I'm not, I'm not bound by my own law. Emily, Adrian, what do you guys got? Yeah, I mean, imagine how hungry you actually have to be to eat like corn right off the stock or whatever they were eating. Like that's pretty gross. They were eating it out of necessity and not for pleasure, which is how I justify my coffee before mass. <laughs> <laughs> is that how but, you do it? Um, I was wondering. I had someone recently asking me, "Why does a good God?" send you to hell if you don't go to mass on Sunday. And so that's kind of, I'm thinking about the Sabbath here. Yeah. What is the purpose of keeping the Sabbath holy? You know, in all other cases um, where it's not necessary for your health and life. Well, it's sort of a carrot and stick situation. So the stick is um, God is good. God has given you everything down to your very life. And not only that, God, Jesus, the word made flesh has saved you from your sins. And so because God has given us everything, it's an act of justice to offer just that, you know, that one a day out of the whole week. He deserves it. God mm. is God deserves everything. He God deserves every day of our week. So to give him one specific day, it's not even enough. Um, but on the other end, the, the here's the carrot: the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ are offered to you on the altar, that, so that you can receive him into your very own body. Just one day a week. There's no greater gift that God has given to to mankind yeah. than his son. And so, yes, it's an act of justice, but also it's the greatest gift we as human beings have received is the Sabbath. Also, a good God doesn't send anybody to hell. We, uh, we send yeah. ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely. You, hell is a choice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Adrian, speaking of choice. Uh, <laughs> speaking of choice, I'm not, not sure what that's a reference to. But the uh, so one thing that is overlooked um, oftenly is what Thomas Aquinas points out about this passage. He points out the fact that the Pharisees do not attack our Lord and his disciples about the fact that they were stealing. 
Um, they were because they were walking around and they saw some uh, corn on a stalk and were like, "Oh, I'm going to take that and eat it." Uh, we would consider that stealing, right? Well, the Pharisees don't attack them about that. Why is that? It's because it was well known and recognized in Jewish law and even mm-hmm. in our own common law here in America, uh, which we don't have common law per se, but that's a different topic. Um, but the idea there is that whenever you're in a state of necessity, uh, you now uh, you can take what you are, what you need. Now, that's very important to say you can take what you need because you can't, like, for instance, I can't just go up and just start harvesting all of their uh, corn and start selling it. I, If I'm actually hungry, like the disciples apparently here were, mm. um, meaning that you had not eaten in a while, you needed food to survive. You can't steal chocolate, but you could steal food because it wouldn't be stealing anymore. And so at this point. They are, they are, it is recognized by the, uh, by the Pharisees and by our Lord and by the disciples. Everyone here recognized that it was not stealing for them to do this. Instead, they attacked him for disobeying the Sabbath, for eating, uh, for, uh, for husking corn on, a, on the Sabbath. Mm. Uh, so that was, I thought that was a very interesting point that needed to be made, um, that th- Thomas brings out. That's good news for Jean Valjean. Let's not bring up Les Mis, okay? Let's just uh, try to have a show with no Les Mis references. That'd be best. It's too late. Speaking of uh, great opportunities, uh, there are no phone calls uh, on the line right now. And the reason why that's important is because coming up after the break we're about to take, uh, we're going to be having our Fear and Trembling game show. And you could be a contestant and win this week's prize. Uh, and again, one more time on the sponsor. His Glory Company. You can find them on Instagram or their store is hisglory.storenvy.com So if you want your chance to win the prize pack this week on our Fear and Tribbling Gave show, now is your opportunity. All you need to do is dial 877-757-9424 877-757-9424 First caller gets to be the contestant in the game show. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We'll have the game show and uh, don't forget 730 Holy Mass is going to be broadcast across the GRN. The Catholic Drive Time team will stay live on social media for the next 20 minutes after that to wrap up our show, conversate about everything going on, and much more. So more Catholic Drive Time is coming your way next. Don't go anywhere. Game Show is now. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes. We Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. 
visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling. If you've ever wanted to be the contestant on this game show, well, now is a wonderful chance. We did get a call, but that caller had already been a contestant. So we want to open up a new opportunity for people who haven't had the chance, tried calling before, couldn't get on. You have a golden opportunity. The lines are wide open right now, so if you've never been on, never been a contestant, call right now, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. If you call right now, you'll be the contestant. I'll give out the number again, One, it's 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. So here's how the game works. If you're just joining us and you're like, what are we doing here? This is a trivia game show, Catholic trivia game show. Prizes are involved. And the secret hidden agenda is that we all learn a little bit about our faith, have a little chuckle in the process, and give out some prizes. So that's the, uh, that's the, uh, that's the agenda here. But I don't ask these questions to the caller. Mm-mm. I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, one of them will have a right answer, the other will have a wrong answer, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a choice. They, they can choose Adrian, they can choose Emily, and uh, if they get it right, well, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win, or possibly win, this week's prize pack, and Emily, maybe you can update us on that. Yeah, so our sponsor this week is called His Glory Company, and you can find them big following on Instagram, and also their website is hisglory.storenvy.com. They've got super cool stuff, all everything you can think of, apparel for ladies, for men, for youth, babies, even onesies. They've got stickers, accessories, hoodies, everything you can think of, pro-life. And I don't know about you, Joe, but when I go through airports, I love to get decked out in my Catholic apparel. <laughs> so that's the way to evangelize without even saying a word. And so so they're giving away this week a Sacred Heart of Jesus t-shirt. It's this got this beautiful image of Jesus and his Sacred Heart on it. So you could have a chance to win that t-shirt this week. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Let me just say, the phone lines blew up. I mean, literally, oh. I see smoke rising from the phone system over there. So uh, to everybody who's called in, God love you. God bless you. Thank Call you so tomorrow. much. Uh, it's, we love it to see uh, all the phone calls. But just be ready tomorrow morning, very early, and then maybe you'll get the chance tomorrow morning. So let's, let's go to the phones. And uh, I think it's Audrey from Arlington, Virginia. Is Did I get that correct? That's right. Well, good morning to you, Audrey. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of our program today. Amen. Thank you so much. Where do you uh, Where do you go to church, Audrey? I'm a parishioner of St. Agnes in Arlington. Wonderful. Praise be to God. Now, uh, you, I hear, are you driving now? So hopefully you're two hands on the wheel and you're be able to concentrate very, very, uh, very oh, safe, definitely. right? Definitely. Very, very slow driving here. <laughs> it's Arlington, Virginia. <laughs> Are you, I thought with the lockdowns and everything, everybody's staying home, but uh, it's, it hasn't affected the, the traffic I in the know. Virginia area. Yeah, uh, it did. It did on the evening of the um, the, the, the sixth. Sure. But, um, we were all shut down, but 
um, locally here, but um, but now we're we're okay so far. Praise be so to God. God. All right, yeah. Audrey, do you understand the rules and how the game is played? I think so. Well, the good I news is so. you don't have to know the answers to any of these questions. So, uh, right, pr- I choose between two two choices. Right, she's yes, got it. She's got but, it. But uh, because okay. because I have great charity uh, for you, Audrey, I just want to give you a friendly warning: don't trust Emily or Adrian because they will trick you. They will fool you. I they know. will attempt to deceive <laughs> you and manipulate you. Ouch! Uh, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Trust God. <laughs> oh, Amen. Good. Yes. Very, very Dominican of you, Audrey. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Okay, here we go. We're going to start with uh, Emily, as is our custom here on the show. Emily, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Uh, Emily, name the five liturgical colors. There's five. Okay. So I'm going to go with, I know during ordinary time there's green. Uh-huh. Uh, red. For martyr feast days. Okay. Uh, purple for Lent and Advent, penitential seasons. Okay. Um, I've seen black for Requiem masses. Uh huh. And you know All Souls Day. And then I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna go with blue for the last one for like Marian feast days. Okay. Okay. So you're on the hook for red, green. You said purple. I said. Uh, yeah, is that like a technical? <laughs> you got to give it, me is the it list. Is it going to be lavender? Okay, me, real quick, go just just green, scroll to the colors. Green, red, black. Wait, green, red, black, purple, and blue. Oh my heavens! <laughs> this is going to be so complicated. I am so confused. I am so confused. <laughs> One more time on the colors: blue, green. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to write them down because I don't want Audrey to get too confused. If I'm I confused, so is she. All right, so I'm oh, going to write it. She's got it. She said she's got it. Blue. Okay, so blue, green, red, green, red, black, black, and purple. Purple. Is that five? Praise God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Adrian, hopefully it's more simple for you. Yeah. Adrian, name we'll the five liturgical colors. Okay, so the five liturgical colors is uh, white, red, green, purple or violet, depending on who you ask, and black. Black. Okay, here we go. So, uh, Audrey, I'll Did you re- say white? Uh, Audrey, yeah, I will I recap white. for you. Emily is on the hook for blue, green, red, black, and purple. Adrian is on the hook for white, red, green, purple, and black. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's confused? Who knows? Audrey, what say you? Um, I think Adrian. I don't think there's blue. And the survey says... Wow, she smelt you out. That was... Very well done. I was totally confused. Yeah, by I was that. terribly confused as well. <laughs> yeah, I was a like, hard question. I have no Ooh. idea what's going on. <laughs> uh, good, congratulations, Audrey. Uh, well done. Uh, blue is definitely not one of them. White, in fact, is one of the uh, liturgical colors. So she tried yeah. to to throw you off, and you didn't buy it. All right, next question. We're going to start with Adrian this time. Adrian, are you ready? Yes, sir. Uh, Adrian, who wears a cowl? Who wears a cowl? Who um, wears a cowl? Is Batman the wrong answer? I just probably. Wondering. I'm just wondering. Probably. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, gosh darn it, it's not. Uh, so Dominicans wear capooses. So I don't know if that's <laughs> is that the same thing. I don't know. Um, 
I'm going to go with Dominicans. You're going to go with Dominicans. So you're on the hook for Dominicans. I like Dominicans. Emily, who wears a cowl? I also like Dominicans, but the answer to this one is, uh, I know this because I had to make these for a play one time, a skit that we did about Mm -hmm. St. Benedict. So Benedictines wear these these cowls, which are like kind of like a... Like a cape, but it's like short. It just okay. covers your chest, and sometimes it's got a cool hood in the back too. So, what's your answer? Cow, uh, cows are worn by monks. Okay, so Emily's on the hook for monks. Adrian's on the hook for Dominicans, as usual. Fifteen <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Audrey, what say you? Ugh, I I think I'm going to go with Emily. Survey says. Two for two. Very good. Congratulations. There's no no throwing you today. Praise be to God. Last chance. Could be tricky, though. Unless you are a a scholar and a Catholic historian, this might be a little tricky. But let's just see. Emily, we're going back to you on this one. Emily, uh, what year did Pope St. Pius X die? Why are you looking at me like that? What year Mm. did Pope St. Pius X die? Die because I've got a good rate. I've got a good idea because Pope Pius X is actually my favorite pope. Um, very humble man, came from very humble beginnings. He's actually his parents were ethnically Polish, so a lot of people say John Paul II was the first Polish pope, but actually it was Pius X. I need a year. I need a year. Nineteen fourteen. Okay, uh, Adrian, what year did Pope Saint Pius X die? Oh, that's that's hard. Um, Nineteen, uh, I think he was like right before World War Two. Nineteen twenty-four. Okay, so Emily's on the hook for nineteen fourteen, and Adrian's on the hook for nineteen twenty-four. Uh, maybe. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who knows? Audrey, what say you? Fifteen really seconds. Know, but I- Story, so I'll just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says, "Congratulations, perfect score, wow, Audrey. Three for three. Wow, awesome. you have you have got Catholic. You got the smell test going there, Audrey. <laughs> well done. You have three chances in the coffee cup of divine providence for this week's prize pack. One more time, Emily, the sponsor, His Glory Company." Praise God. Okay, thank you, Audrey, okay, for playing our game. So I'm going to put you on hold. We're going to put you on hold so we get your information. But uh, that is going to do it for today's Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Fun game, fun show. In spite of the uh, the uh, manipulations of Emily and Adrian, we still have a good time here. But don't forget, the Holy Mass is up next. But if you want to hang out with us for the after show, if that's what we call it, wrapping up and conversating on the show itself, hang out with us over at facebook.com forward slash GRN Online on YouTube or on Twitter. Just search for GRN Online. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Praise be to Jesus Christ and all things. Uh, welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time for today. Now, we haven't decided yet exactly, but I just want to mention that yesterday I got a phone call from one of our top fans, Patty, and uh, she suggested we call it the Chaser. Uh, I, I kind of like that to keep the uh, to keep with the the theme of uh, of uh, the the driving part, you know, the driving theme, Catholic drive time. I'm trying to mark the questions here. You know, I I, I have to admit, again, confessing here live, uh, I didn't have the questions ready on time before the show. I forgot. I was so <laughs> focused on other things that I forgot to pull the questions. And just as we went into the top of the hour, I looked over at the box and thought, oh. I have no questions for today. <laughs> Doesn't the intro for the game show say we do it by the seat of our pants? <laughs> That's, and I'm keeping true to that for sure. Uh, very interesting story to, uh, stories out of the news today, I think, on the show um, that we were covering. But that interview with uh, Kristen from the uh, uh, St. Thomas More Society, right. was kind of, it's kind of intense. Wow. And yeah, just kind of like very somber it kind of put me in a mood like where i realized how far we've come like especially with all these victories pro-life victories that president trump has had over the years now they're all they're all about to be reversed so it seems that way very disappointing it seems that way for sure now there there are things that i i get accused of being a you know top trump fan number one i am not in fact nor am i we are not i have not uh, you know there are several things that i would be very critical over over president trump um you know, but at the same time, it's hard to look at uh, the next four years and go, wow, we have such a bright pro-life future. We have such a bright pro-marriage future. We have such a bright, you know, even on, uh, even on minor things that are less, less uh, minor evils, you, can, you might say. <clears throat> so we have the five non-negotiable. And why are they non-negotiable? Because they're always intrinsically evil. There's never mm-hmm. a chance where they're going to be good sometime. Abortion being among them, you know, defense of, of marriage between a man and a woman, those kinds of things. We've talked about that. I've talked about that many times. But like, for instance, foreign wars, right? Um, I, I've been, as a man who served the Marine Corps, I've been quite happy to know that uh, President Trump has tried to reduce troop counts all over the world. In fact, we reported yesterday that um, the former ambassador to Syria admitted publicly that he was lying to the White House, lying to President Trump about troop count numbers so he wouldn't know because Trump wanted them reduced. And that uh, Trump had successfully reduced Trump count, uh, troop numbers, American service members in foreign countries over the whole world. I mean, Afghanistan's at a very low number. Iraq at a very – there are more troops in Washington, D.C. than Afghanistan and Iraq combined. Ten times more at least in, in, our, in our U.S. capital right now than in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. Is he combined. facing any consequences for that, for lying? Probably not. Who's going to hold him accountable? Who? Who's going to do that? No one. Does anybody get held accountable? That's a question, I guess. I mean, uh, Hillary Clinton's email server didn't didn't go anywhere. Uh, we, you know, the uh, the uh, Benghazi issue didn't do anything. I mean, uh, the, the Hunter Biden's laptop hasn't amounted to anything. Um, so who gets I mean, the only person that may get held, held accountable, I guess, is Donald Trump. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. uh, whatever. I mean, y- there are so many issues in the stories that I think are troubling, not from a right-left perspective, not from a Republican versus Democrat perspective, but from a Catholic, from a human perspective. Uh, we want to live in a place that's free and fair and, uh, and legitimate and, uh, and honest and good and, and, and defends the dignity of human life from conception into a natural death. And when you say that life 
in the womb is not human. It's not it's not a, a person doesn't have any rights. Boy, that's troubling. That because then you begin to rationalize and justify all kinds of mistreatment and, and behavior against that thing that you say is not a human being. And for instance, we I mean, uh, if it's not human, if it's not a person, well then you can do whatever you want medical research wise. You know, we and we've seen that on on mass scale. Of course, Planned Parenthood was a big part of uh, selling the uh, these uh, babies born whole in the uh, in the sack in order to provide specimens, air quotes, to medical researchers. Uh, David Delighton videos re- uh, right. brought all that mm-hmm. to the fore. Right. And yeah. off air, we were commenting on the fact that the pro-abortion side cannot pinpoint personhood. And so they have this arbitrary concept of when a human becomes a person, which, of course, as Catholics, um, and even backed by biology and science, we believe that human life begins at conception because that's when you receive, one, your soul, two, your own unique set of DNA. Um, so really, according to natural law and and biology, human life begins at conception, but the government has such an arbitrary concept of when personhood begins, and they're in, r- literally enacting laws on an arbitrary concept that hasn't been defined yet, um, which shouldn't be allowed at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. And, you know, when uh, Chris and Cibaletto, our guest on the show today, from the St. Thomas More Society, when she said five years, I like, I had to ask twice. I'm like, five years? It'll take, she said, didn't she say she was in the middle of a 10-year case and it's mm-hmm. only halfway through? Yeah, she did say that. That's insane. Mm-hmm. How many, if it takes more than, if it takes five years, how many, how many babies might be lost within those five years? How many women Millions. might be abused uh, a- as a result to boyfriends or significant others or husbands or whatever that don't want the child to be born and then, you know, abuse her somehow in order for the child to die? Like this law protects those men from doing that, uh, to d- from doing any, they're not going to have to pay any price right? as a result of that. And Kristen also said something which I've been hearing again and again is that we've lost ground on this as Catholics. We should have been standing up against this a long time ago. And now yeah. this has reached a breaking por- point where we're like, how did we get here? It's because we didn't stand up at the beginning of that slippery slope and, and put our foot down as Catholics and, you know, say life begins at conception. Human life is valuable and has dignity and we cannot allow you know this to happen yeah yeah for sure and now 30 years 40 years after roe v wade mm. we've had this mass genocide and it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon no it's really to mention that the uh they canceled the march for life which yeah. absolutely infuriates me all marches all across america they canceled all the marches which just <sighs> blows my mind how is it that we can have stop the steel marches black lives matter marches all these marches are okay but somehow we cannot uh stand up for life there were marches yesterday for martin luther king day black lives matter r- protests all over the country they shut down a highway in seattle but we can't have a march for life it's outdoors absolutely ridiculous it absolutely infuriates me uh, it just it just blows my mind how like even the very bare minimum that we can do, which is go out and march in support of uh, of the innocent human beings, is being taken away. So we can't even do that. I know you desensitize you you create this atmosphere of apathy uh, after not going for one year. 
the pro-life march is going to be dead because uh bishops uh across america are scared of uh lawsuits of liability issues they're no longer going to sponsor them they're not going to give money for the busings of people across america Uh, the pro-life march is not going to be as nearly it's never going to come back the way it was at this point here's an article from breitbart uh, says planned parenthood ceo biden sweeping abortion agenda must undo harm of Trump pro-life policies. And I, I want to say there was an article yesterday about the first day of Biden's presidency is going to have 10 very sweeping ag- executive orders signed. And of course, that includes um, a lot of the pro-life issues like the Mexico City policy and all of that. So it's going to be it's going to be a difficult four years. It's going to be a bit of a setback, I think, for the uh, for the pro-life cause. Not for the Trump cause. It's for the pro-life cause is what we're talking about at the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's the sad part. You know, um, we'll see. We'll just have to see how it all goes down. But I think you, you can't give up the fight no matter what. And, and ultimately, we said this yesterday, and I, I continue to repeat this. I've said it many times. No matter the law of the land, if you change hearts and minds, women won't use abortion as an alternative. If you can change their hearts and minds, it won't matter what the law of the land actually is. And that's true for all the issues, right? So let's just say a uh, marriage between a man and a woman. If you change hearts and minds, they won't, uh, they won't seek alternative lifestyles. You know, there was a big push for cohabitation decades ago um, in order to move society in a more progressive uh, road. And that just, you know, dismantling the family has had deep and lasting impacts on the rest of us. And that is part of the issue. Marriage between a man and a woman is a fundamental building block of society. Always has been. I love uh, when you, you know, I, I did, I took the survey courses of Dr. John Bergsma from Franciscan University, scripture scholar, um, or scripture professor, rather, uh, you know, both on Old Testament and New Testament. And... I love how he goes through the Old Testament and he shows and demonstrates an implicit rejection of polygamy and an implicit affirmation of monogamy, of a man and a woman building their family, cleaving to each other and building the family and 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 like Adam, the call to go out into the wilderness and cultivate the, the, the wilderness into the garden, right? To extend the boundaries of the garden sanctuary of God. That is our mission. That is our job. And we have, we have uh, attacked it. And where is the defense for marriage anymore? Even in Catholic circles. I mean, there's, you just don't see that talked about all that often anymore by bishops or, or priests or uh, otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the pro-life cause, praise God, still gets a good push. And there are many causes that I am grateful to hear good homilies on, you know, whether they are uh, issues like feeding the poor and, uh, you know, the hungry. Uh, praise God. Yes, that's our calling. But where is the defense for marriage? This is one of the issues I had with Donald Trump. You know, he there's many people in the, in the LGBTQ community who praise Donald Trump for his support of their lifestyle. He did not defend marriage traditional marriage between a man and a woman he made of he might have made statements on time to time but he never did took action as president of the united states to to bring back the marriage defense act for instance or mm-hmm. to do things to to uh, solidify and build up what we might call the nuclear family and i thought that that was that's tragic 
That's really tragic. Well, it does appear that he was not actually against the union of same-sex couples in his own personal beliefs. Um, but yeah, it's just so disappointing, even within the church, to see that bishops have conceded that issue. To be fair, like it, we're now facing a completely different reality where people are uh, denying the very um, fact that biological sex is a is a you know part yeah, of being human. Exactly, which is why, like in the in the headlines yesterday, I reported that the diocese of Lansing has had to enact a policy. That is consistent with biological sex. Like they literally had to write it into their diocese policy that men are men and women are women because the 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 left has become so detached from reality. We've seen this with the abortion movement where they um, are denying the fact that a fetus is a human being scientifically mm. and according to natural law, of course. But also now we're seeing people who are denying that biological sex is a reality that they have a different gendered brain inside of a different gendered uh body it's it's so absurd i can't even believe we're at this point yes it is very very troubling um uh, man (laughs) uh you know i think back to uh earlier we were talking about uh saint vincent fair you know, uh, we were we, Adrian only he can he only he only knows the Dominican saints. By the way, uh, he doesn't <laughs> it's, even it's true. I acknowledge the existence it, of non-Dominican saints. I'm pretty saints. sure there aren't any other saints. Yeah, uh, okay. fairly certain. Vincent for is super underrated though. It, so underrated. He's so underrated. <laughs> he's like the I do saint. agree. He is he is the pro, he is uh, before there was a Superman leaping tall buildings. There was Saint Vincent Fair flying, literally <laughs> flying, <laughs> literally flying. You know, and raising people from the dead, raising casually, people casually, <laughs> levitating people in midair. <laughs> you know, casual. Deal. Speaking to thousands of people without having a megaphone, mm-hmm. and everybody can Speaking hear him. Speaking in tongues, Speaking letting everybody tongues. hear in his language. Yeah. But you know, you know, whatever. We'll talk, we'll talk about other things. But Avignon. <laughs> and, and I think back of whether they're incredible saints like St. Vincent Fair or even, uh, even um, my own uh, patron, uh, St. Padre Pio, who, you know, was a humble, obedient uh, Franciscan uh, friar. A very miraculous lifestyle, very charismatic in the in the, the the gifts and the and the extraordinary things that happened in his life for sure. But yet spoke boldly uh, towards the end of his life to his own superiors about the about the heresies that they would eventually uh, embrace and and warn them not to do so. Uh, was shocked at some of the things that were coming down in his in the last days and months of his life. And I think about, uh, you know, like Ignatius of Antioch, who, um, who would speak to Trajan the emperor directly and try to convert him. Didn't work. Got fed to the lions, but he did do it nonetheless. Or Athanasius uh, of Alexandria, and uh, who took on the whole world, it seemed, against the heresy of, of Arianism. Um, we always love every every Christmas, every December. Uh, what is it? The tenth. Uh, we always love. Is it the fifth? We always love to see Saint Nicholas smacking Arius. We love the memes that come about uh, every year in that time. And not that I want people smacked. It's not that. It's it's like I want the I want the voice. Mm-hmm. I, I want the strong voice of supernatural faith um, to call the world to conversion. And we just we just don't see that quite anymore. Was it Venerable Fulton Sheen who said that the only argument people will listen to is that of personal holiness? 
Yeah. That, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day for each and every one of us. If you're wondering, where are the saints? Where are the saints that God should be raising up right now? It's you. And you just need to start working on that personal holiness. Jesus, uh, Jesus Robles says on Facebook, Dominicans rock. And he says again, St. <laughs> Vincent Ferrer, phenomenal. That's, that's a fact. So uh, a fact. We've talked, you know, to, we've talked to him Robles. about St. Vincent Ferrer before. Pretty uh, awesome. Pretty you know, awesome. And it amazes me when we talk about St. Vincent, uh, people will comment or whatever. They'll say, I never even heard of him before. Isn't that amazing? The guy raises people from the dead, flies. You he's, can go read his homilies right now that are online. He's amazing. He, he, uh, he would travel all of Europe, had a, had a pass to go anywhere he wanted to preach to anyone he wanted. No one could stop him. And he would preach the coming of the end of time. Yep. And he uh, converted entire synagogues of Jews, entire mosques of Muslims where the, he got kicked off everyone. an island uh, because he was converting too many Muslims. <laughs> um, no, the fascinating thing is they, they didn't kill him. Well, they uh, probably not from the lack of trying, but they, uh, they a lot of the mosques and the synagogues they ended up repurposing and becoming Catholic churches. Like they literally just changed the name of the place and then became made it a Catholic church. Then it's pretty stellar. He's probably a good intercessor now when we're seeing so much um, violence from Islamic militants, especially in places like the Middle East, Nigeria, Africa. Yeah, it's it's pretty great um, to see these the great saints and see the way they live their lives in comparison to the world that we live in. Um, I think. Oh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up about uh, what we we're talking about in the game show mm-hmm. uh, to go a little bit more lighthearted things and get away from the uh, the depressingness of everything else. <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, the difference between a a cowl oh, and, yeah. a, and a uh, and a capoose. No, you were. No, <laughs> me and Emily were. Me and Emily were. I don't remember anybody saying, I wonder what the difference is between this, a cow and a capoose is. It's interesting. It's interesting. Okay. And the uh, the oh. cowl, apparently, so I was looking it up, trying to figure out what the difference was, because I think they're actually just two different names for the same thing, but the only difference I could find was that like a cowl is usually pointy, a capoose usually isn't. That's a, the distinction? And a capoose is usually, not always though, is usually a, 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 a cow usually has is a hood connected to the cape right whereas a capoose is uh you have the kappa and then you put the capoose over it so it's two separate pieces wow so i think that's ah, the difference i used to have to iron those when i was in the convent yeah so me I too cows i hated those don't always have a hood i don't think the cow i yeah. don't know well, i, I don't googled know. it i googled it to be sure everyone i saw had a, had a hood on them. yeah that's kind of <laughs> what i saw too i think yeah. i think a cowl is the kappa with a hood connected to it necessarily. Oh, so I was yeah. ironing kappas. That's what yeah. I was doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we've... I'm confused. I don't know about the audience, but I'm certainly <laughs> No, what was confusing was the liturgical colors question. Oh, tell me about it. Wow, that was... That was a hard one to pull off on. on I've seen some funky vestments in my time. <laughs> so. I, uh, I wish I would have... Um, I wish I would have had a, written it down the first time you tried to go down the list, Emily. I know you were like, I don't remember my own list. <laughs> like, <laughs> I forgot the order. So, I, you know, it helped to write it down. But uh, our caller was not thrown. Audrey, yeah, no, she was brilliant. Yeah, she was like, oh, I got it. She, yeah. I was like, well, dang, I didn't get I it. <laughs> when she said that, I'm, I didn't catch that. But now I knew. Like, she, she knew. She, she smelt the rat immediately when you said blue. They're starting yeah. to see through us. <laughs> no, that was fun, though. Though, uh, some communities are allowed to wear blue during certain times of the year. So yeah. um, the if you're a Marian shrine, mm-hmm. you're allowed to wear blue uh, during the Marian feast days, which okay. is Okay, cool. and huge shout out to Instead of Christ the King. Oh, the yeah. The blue cassocks. Uh, they what? Have, they have the cool, like, they have the, they have the, their berettas have a blue oh, puff on the so top. It's cool. so cool. <laughs> yeah. 
And they're sisters with the knife. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh, we got to show a picture. Right. Like, I'm going to have to get a picture we're of right, We're about out of time. We have to sign off for the day. We're going we're gonna to end the after show. What are we calling it? The drive time after show, the chaser, the park and ride. I thought the, it was the park and ride. The bus stop. I, I don't know. We're gonna, we got to come up with something. But uh, uh, Patty really wants the chaser, she said. But either way, it's about out of time. But I want to say tomorrow morning we're having Mr. Julio back on. What's Mr. Julio's last name? Uh, that's a great question. Oh, wow. That's fun. Laredo? Uh, Laredo, that's Laredo, what it is. yes. Right. Mr. Julio Laredo from the uh, TFP in Italy to give us the latest on the uh, what the situation is across Europe and more. So that's the conversation tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern time right here uh, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and the Stations of the Cross. So New York and Pennsylvania and Massachusetts and I don't know, maybe Ohio as well. So we're very excited they're part of the Catholic Drive Time family, and we'll have a great show tomorrow. We're looking forward to that. But from all of us here at the uh, Catholic Drive Time team, we're grateful that you're a part of our apostle. Do us a favor. When you're on our social platforms, like, share, subscribe. Share and like are the biggest ones uh, to help us overcome. I mean, YouTube is pretty much decimated. I mean... We have way more followers than we have views, and there's a reason for that. The algorithm is not letting us have an audience. So follow us on Rumble. Go to Rumble. Make sure you subscribe and share there. It really helps. We're grateful. We love you. We thank you for being a part of our program. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here, Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.